Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Bob Bunn. Bob edits the commentary for Explore the Bible. He also wrote some of the the content for this particular quarter because he was uh, writing before he came to Lifeway. And so, Bob, thank you for being with us today. We're going to be looking at session two of the spring 2022 study of First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, we'll be looking at First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. And the main idea here is that the gospel is to be boldly shared with compassion and grace. We've outlined these 12 verses this way, persistent, gentle, and blameless. First of all, persistent, verses 1 and 2. In these verses, Paul reminded the Thessalonians of the reception of the gospel in Thessalonica and compared that to the persecution experienced in Philippi. Bob, I want us to think some about that. Give us the backstory so we can have a little bit of understanding between Thessalonica and Philippi, what happened there. But the point for us to walk away with is that potential persecution does not excuse believers from sharing the gospel. The second point is gentle, which is verses three through seven. In these verses, Paul explained that he and the other missionaries preached the gospel with the intent of pleasing God and not with some other motives. Uh, they presented the gospel with gentleness, like a mother caring for her children. We can walk away from these verses understanding that gentleness and compassion open the door for sharing the gospel. The last section, which we've entitled Blameless, covers verses 8 through 12. In these verses, Paul highlighted how the missionaries conducted themselves, seeking to share in such a way so as not to be a burden to the hearers. They worked as a father would, earning their own way and calling for people to live worthy of God. For us, we can understand that demonstrating Christ-like character allows believers to influence others. So Bob, I mentioned when we were walking through this, this outline that we need to think about the backstory for this passage. What happened in Philippi and, and what happened in Thessalonica and how were they different? Yeah, I had a professor, a professor in seminary who once said that uh, scripture is the best commentary on scripture. And I think this is a great example of that, uh, because all of what Paul is talking about can be cross-referenced to Acts chapter 16 and 17. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, Paul was starting his second missionary journey with Silas, and Timothy was, was in tow as well. And they, they got to a point where they really wanted to go in a certain direction, and the Holy Spirit just would not let them do it. Uh, they could not go where they wanted to go, so they stayed put until they heard from God. The Lord sent him the, what we call the Macedonian vision of the man coming from Macedonia saying, please help us, and that let Paul know that that was the direction he wanted to go. So when he went into Macedonia, which was the northern province of Greece at the time, Philippi was his first stop. And Philippi was an interesting kind of stop for him, an interesting city, because it was a great ministry experience for him. Uh, he, he, the people welcomed him. There was no synagogue at the time. Uh, so he found a group of ladies who were praying by the river and was able to minister to them. And that was sort of the foundation of the church in Philippi, but it was also an incredible time of persecution for him. He, he mentions in his letter to the Thessalonians that he was, 
he was treated outrageously that he and Paul, or excuse me, he and Silas were treated outrageously. And uh, it really is because he was falsely accused of a crime he, he did not commit by some jealous people, people who were mad because he had, he had driven a demon out of a, of a young girl. And so she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And so they'd lost their, their profitability. And so they got mad and, and, and dragged him before the elders. And, and, and then even when he was before the elders, he was thrown into prison and beaten without a, without a trial, which as a Roman citizen, which what Paul and Silas both were Roman citizens, that was illegal. And so when the city officials uh, found that out, they were, they were pretty nervous about it as well. So that was the context of Philippians. He went from Philippi to the city of Thessalonica. And as bad as things had been in Philippi, it was even worse than Thessalonica for him. Again, he had some productive ministry. He ministered in the, in the, in the synagogue for, for three Sabbaths, the scripture says. And then um, somewhere along the way, the Jews got very, very jealous. We assume he was also ministering in the marketplace to Gentiles during the week, and that might have been what set them off. But some of these Jews became very uh, disruptive and, and dishonest and deceitful and, and basically collected a gang of evil guys to start a riot. And it got so bad that Paul actually had to hide and eventually leave under the cover of darkness. And, and not only were, were these guys mad at him about being in Thessalonica, but they actually stalked him. They followed him to other cities and started stirring up trouble for him there. So that's sort of the background. But in Thessalonians, he, he, he came, he ministered, but he had to leave quickly. And I think that gnawed at him uh, for a long, long time, because he wasn't able to pour into them quite the way he wanted to. And so as he writes First Thessalonians, he's using that and reminding of them, them of that as a background. Now, he, he left Timothy, or he sent Timothy to Thessalonica too, didn't yeah. he? I think that uh, there's a pack item, pack item 13, that talks about Timothy's ministry assignments. Uh, and it notes Timothy during the second missionary journey, being sent to Thessalonica, and then also later on being sent to Corinth. Then he's going to return to Corinth during the third missionary journey, Timothy will. And then after the missionary journey, he ends up in Ephesus. But his first assignment is here in Thessalonica, um, where he, he talks about that a little bit later next week when we look at chapter three, he mentions that. We see Paul demonstrating a lot of confidence in Timothy at that point. Absolutely. But it also tells us that last, that last point that Paul didn't feel like his work was done or he wouldn't have felt the need to send Timothy to do that. Yeah. And another interesting thing about it was they, they may have known ahead of time what happened in Philippi and the persecution that Paul faced there. But when it hit their own town, they were able to watch Paul and observe him and see how he responded to these things. And part of, part of the reason they embraced the gospel was because of what they saw in Paul's life. Uh, the, old, the old adage about squeezing the toothpaste tube and watching the toothpaste come out. Paul was squeezed. He was put under fire. And they were attracted to what came out of him as a result of that. And, and that was a big deal and a big reason for one of the reasons the Thessalonians were prospering as a church. Now, how they worked was very important here. Uh, that's the, really the main focus of this section of scripture in First Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. They mentioned in verse nine that they worked day and night. Did they really work day and night? I mean, how, how should we interpret or understand that, Bob? It probably felt that way at times, I'm sure. No, I think Paul was using a figure of speech there. It's like uh, when my daughter, and maybe your daughter was like this too, Dwayne, that when my daughter was younger and a high schooler and she would go out and do babysitting assignments. And, and, you know, for a long time when she was younger, I would be the one that would drive her. And sometimes I would drive late at night to go pick her up. When she got her own car, 
you know, dad doesn't go to bed when the daughter's out late at night, you know? So I'm the one that usually the one that stayed up and waited for her and waited until the the car pulled into the driveway. And sometimes we'd even talk for a little bit after she came into the house, but dad wasn't going to bed until she was safe at home. And so, you know, I tease her sometimes, well, I stayed up half the night waiting for you. Now, literally I didn't stay up half the night. It's a figure of speech, but it was to communicate to her that I cared, that I was going to protect her, that I was going to do everything that I could to make sure that she was safe and that she was secure and that she was where she was, where she needed to be. And I think that's sort of where Paul was too. He didn't literally work day and night. I don't think he literally went days without sleeping. He might've had times when he went days without sleeping, but I don't think it was a general habit of it, but I think he wanted to communicate to the Thessalonians, Hey, you know, I sacrificed for you. You need to remember this. You need to remember how I acted while I was among you, that, that I took care of you that I ministered to you. And I think he did have a day job. You know, I think he indicates that pretty clearly in the book as we read it, that, that he was, that he was working during the day. And when, when tradesmen worked during the day at that time, they got up at sunrise and they didn't stop until the sun set. And so he probably was really, really busy during the day doing his thing because he wanted to, to avoid being a burden to the Thessalonians. He wanted to raise his own support and not, not take money from them. We can, uh, we know that Paul was a tent maker, so it would make sense. I mean, they're, Tent making, that was one of those those jobs. There's going to be work to be done in almost any city he would go to. Yes. Yeah. And, and tent making was not only, you know, we think of tents. It wasn't just tent making. It was basically anything that was that was made from canvas. So it could have been sails for ships. And, of course, you know, there was a lot of port cities that Paul ministered to. So, you know, th- those kind of things. He was able to use his trade and his talent. But he was being able to raise his own support and support himself also protected him from accusations of just preaching for money and just being interested in people because of what he get from them. Uh, and we'll get into this a little bit about how he, you know, he was so he was so compassionate toward them and how he really uh, felt uh, emotionally attached to them. He probably did put in a lot of long days. It wasn't a nine to five. He didn't clock in and clock out. Uh, it was, you know, he was probably working hard all day and then doing a lot of ministry at night uh, or during whatever breaks he could find. But uh, the point is not a 24-hour stint with no sleep as much as just a, a consistent lifestyle of sacrifice in ministry and pouring into people. You mentioned the uh, compassion he showed. Mm-hmm. Our second section here, verses three through seven, we've entitled Gentle and noted that Paul encourage them to present the gospel with gentleness like a mother caring for her children. Uh, in quick source, the object lesson for this particular lesson deals with baby care products, baby shampoo, lotion, powder, right. whatever else you have for babies. Um, uh, and, and pointing out how, the, uh, how those are designed for gentle skin, um, they're, they are parts of being a parent, verses 2 and 11 here in First Thessalonians 2, have that metaphor of being a father and being a mother. Um, you see that here in, in these other passages, this other section as well. And so it just gives us a way to think about how the gentleness of those products, even though they're gentle, they're still very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not an common from, and I hate to admit it, I'll go ahead and admit it. I will use baby shampoo every once in a while, just because I, I like it, but it still does the job. And so 
that's part of what is being talked about here in this object lesson idea is using baby care products to help us be reminded uh, uh, being gentle when we approach people with the gospel, being compassionate, uh, but not being ineffective. So that brings me to this question. What is the importance of how we approach others when we're sharing with them the gospel? There's an old, uh, an old saying that has been going through the church for I don't know how long. The, fir the first time I ever heard anyone say it was about 30 years ago. I heard, uh, heard somebody say it in a sermon. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head now. But, um, you know, the, the old saying is I, people don't care how much you know they, until they know how much you care. And that's, that's sort of the, the night. That sounds really trite. And it sounds kind of, eh, you know, kind of cutish. But the tr it's really profound when you think about it. Because you really can't reach a person's heart until you speak to a person's heart. You can't really convince them of your concern until you actually show it. And so you, you put it in, you put some feet to that. And so that's, that's where Paul was, which is kind of funny because we think of Paul a lot of times as this fire breathing evangelist who, you know, who was just ready to take on the world and, and, and beat people upside the head. And he had that side. He certainly stood up for false against false teachers and against false teachings. And I'm glad he did, but he also had this really compassionate side. And that's what the Thessalonians really plugged into was this, was this side where he was, he was, there was a toughness, but there was also this, this sincerity, this genuineness, this, this compassion. Paul was never, if someone was, was a sincere believer and was genuinely trying to live out their faith, and maybe they were struggling, but, but they were doing what they could do as best as they knew how to do it. He never leveled on them. He never, he never railed on them. He always came at them with love and compassion and with a mentoring spirit and with a helping spirit. Now, you know, the average church member, he was going to embrace. He was going to walk with them through the fires and try to help them get out on the other side and see Jesus when they came through. They understood because of the, even the short time that they were able to spend with him, that he was not one of these fly-by-night preachers who was going to just make a buck and then skip town. He was going to do all he could to invest in them for as long as he could. He wasn't going to manipulate them. He wasn't coming with false motives. He says that in the passage. Uh, he wasn't going to take advantage of them. They knew he wasn't perfect, but they knew he was, to use a sports analogy, he was going to leave it all, on, all out on the field. Uh, and so he was going to walk with them. And they cared then about what he knew because they knew how much he cared for them. And to your point, we might miss some of that today. As believers, maybe one of the reasons we're not quite as effective as we ought to be when it comes to things like evangelism and ministry and getting people to be open to the gospel is because they, they don't know how much we care. Uh, they don't realize that. We're, they believe that we are either in it for the numbers, uh, growing, our, growing and expanding our numbers, or they, they think we're just trying to win an argument. Uh, I can remember one of my sons, we were going on a college campus tour one time and as we were going into a building we looked across the parking lot and could see a guy setting up a box to stand on with one of those big loudspeakers you know and we both kind of looked you knew what was about to happen we knew you? what was about to happen so we went in and did the tour of that particular building came out and sure enough there he was on his box with his loudspeaker surrounded by a small group of college students and you know i'm sure he meant well I'm sure he was very sincere and very genuine, but he wasn't really evangelizing them. He was arguing with them. He was yelling at them almost, and they were yelling back. And so, you know, there was this, there was a sense that they were never going to get beyond whatever walls were between them because they didn't know how much he 
cared. All they knew was he was trying to win an argument. And so I think yeah. as believers, sometimes we've got to be more careful about speaking to people's hearts first and building the relationships with them first and letting them know that we're not, we're not doing this just to count them off as a, as a widget, but that we are, that we truly care about who they are and who they could be and that we show them God's love and be his hands and feet and let people know how much we care. You think about uh, Paul's relationship with Philippi, because uh, he mentions the Philippians here in this passage. It began with him praying with a group of ladies. Right. It was not preaching. It was praying. I can't help but think that through his prayer with those that group of ladies, Lydia and the others, that somehow his compassion was not expressed in his prayer. I, I would think that Paul's prayer life would be peppered with that kind of compassion which would get your attention in a heartbeat, I would think. Yeah, I think the most effective ministers are the ones that lift Jesus up. And the one, and, and Jesus has said, if I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw people to myself. And I think that's what Paul did time and time again, wherever he stopped. First and foremost, he, he lifted Jesus up. He showed people who Jesus was through his lifestyle, and they were attracted to that. Bob, any other key ideas or thoughts you would have about this particular lesson? Yeah, I've always been drawn to the image, the parental images, uh, you know, the the, the idea of the nursing mother, um, that's how tender that is and how, and a lot of times when I've, I've led Sunday school conferences in the past, I've, I've always pointed people to that verse and said, this is, you know, if you want to grow your Sunday school, this is how you do it. Uh, you, you love them with a love that, that they can't question. And I think, again, if we can do that, uh, we're going to be uh, effective as leaders and uh, our classes are going to accomplish the things that we really set out to accomplish. Before we go, let me remind our listeners out there about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. The file is free, and you can find these ideas at the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. GoExploreTheBible.com forward slash leader extras. That's GoExploreTheBible.com forward slash leader extras. Bob, thank you for being with us today. I know you're going to be with us, I think, in a couple of weeks. So we look forward to hearing from you then. Thank you for listening to us today. And we hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session three. We'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 20. And thinking about a person's response to the gospel and how that response defines his or her future. Mm-hmm.